Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with the vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Ellis. Well, good morning. It is a new week and it is another day that we are following the conflict in Israel and Hamas and uh, so many things that are going on, not only in world politics and national politics, but um, also within our individual lives. Um, you know, talking to a few friends, um, several friends this morning who have loved ones in uh, the hospital and, you know, dealing with personal issues. And it just um, reminded me, one of, one of my best friends, and you can uh, pray for her, her uh, grandmother is in the hospital uh, today. And this has uh, come after um, just a number of things have been cascading uh, this year just for her family. And I know that so many others out there are dealing with things, even on my Instagram account, someone uh, posted that they just lost, um, she just lost her mother. Um, it, it's just, it's a reminder that with all of the things that go on in the daily conflict, we need to not just be looking at the news of the day from an analytical perspective or a conservative perspective, but truly as Christians, because if we value truly Every human being made in the image of God has inherent dignity and worth. If we truly believe that, which is the pro-life position, then we will understand what Jesus says in uh, Luke 6 when he says, um, talking about love even for our enemies. And he says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes back, takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And and it's just a reminder that we need to consistently as individuals, and obviously uh, nations have different contemplations and uh, presidents and uh, heads of state have very different uh, contemplations when talking about civil government and its role in carrying the sword, as we know from Romans 13. Um, but we as individuals go through a lot and we need to be praying for our, not only our friends and family, but um, also for everyone who's been affected personally um, by this this war in Israel and Hamas, the, the atrocities, and understand what a human toll uh, it has cost, truly. And in just reading some of the headlines and some of the the, the just terrible atrocities um, that I won't go into detail here because I know some of you are listening with your children in your cars, um, but, but just some of the things that are being done to children, it's, it's absolutely horrific. And so I would challenge you this morning as, as a Christian, do we truly pray for those who do evil or are we caught up in the, the hatred of one another and, and we should hate evil, but we should be praying for this world, for every person to come into the saving knowledge of Christ. And, um, but with that, I, I want to uh, make sure that we get to our first guest and um, talk more about 
um, what's going on in terms of um, Israel and the United States. The headline this morning strikes at um, the terror group in Syria after dozens of attacks against them from the Associated Press. The U.S. fighter jets launched airstrikes early Friday on two locations in eastern uh, Syria linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Pentagon said in retaliation for a slew of drone and missile attacks against U.S. bases and personnel in the region that began early next week. So this is a conflict that's continuing to escalate. And Dr. David Grantham joins me. He is a center uh, for a secure and um, a secure and free society or SFS-based uh, fellow in Texas and um, served as a senior fellow for the national security uh, of national security for the National Center uh, for Policy Analysis. And he joins me now. So Dr. Grantham, um, I know you have a lot of insights into uh, what's going on overall in terms of world policy, but how in terms of this escalation of the United States involvement now, uh, what does this portend? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball, obviously, to be able to predict exactly how this is going to transpire. But um, I think it's it's pretty straightforward in some ways at this point. The escalation um, is directly tied back to Iran in those particular areas that you're speaking about. Uh, they're using their proxies to engage, uh, engage American forces and engage any forces that are going to support Israel. But they're doing so in kind of a uh, tit-for-tat manner, um, more or less. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell if if the regime in Iran is merely testing each opportunity with each proxy from Yemen to Syria to Saudi Arabia, or excuse me, to uh, Iraq. Iraq. Um, so it's hard to tell exactly what the intent is. It seems to be they're going to continue to test each opportunity, and I believe Iran is looking for an excuse. The hospital bombing was initially going to be their excuse to unleash what they wanted to against Israel when that turned out to be false. That that took a little steam out of their uh, justification, if you will. So um, I think for the next couple of weeks, you're going to continue to see this tit for tat until Iran decides or somebody else decides to engage at at a higher level, which will give them the opportunity to expand their Yeah, war. and it was it, it was really fascinating to me to see um, the the narrative come out of the hospital bombing, which was um, an utter tragedy. But to also see how that narrative did not go the way that um, that Hamas preferred, and and that Israel was able to really kind of dispel that so quickly. And I think um, part of it was because social media was so involved. I mean, how much different is is this type of conflict now that we have um, we have information, but obviously some things that are put out that are false on social media. How does that even play a role into some of these narratives that otherwise might have taken longer or been successful? Listen, I, I wish I could give credit to the uh, gentleman who put this on Twitter, but uh, he said... Um, uh, Israel's adversaries will never uh, forgive uh, will never forgive Israel for not bombing that hospital, and that's kind of the approach, the mentality that I think we're seeing is they're they're looking for a reason they weren't that reason was scuttled, um, and 
they're not looking for a legitimate reason per se. And when I say they, I'm Iran and their proxies and, and some of the other radicals that are just looking for a reason to attack Israel. Um, they're not looking for truth. They're, they're looking for an excuse. They're looking for propaganda to support any sort of action. Um, and uh, going to your question about social media misinformation, it, it plays a large role, but I think it plays a role with those that are susceptible to misinformation. Because Iran, like I said, isn't seeking – someone like Iran is not seeking truth to bring evidence against Israel to justify action. They're looking for anything that will give them enough uh, space to conduct action before anyone has any time to really ask the questions about whether it's true or not. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that makes sense. And that sounds a lot like uh, the the Democrats, unfortunately, and a lot of people on the left as well. Um, They're just looking for excuses to justify their actions instead of seeking truth. And I'm speaking with Dr. David Grantham, who's a fellow at the Center for a Secure Free Society. And um, you also said uh, back in March of 2022 that Israel would be the reason uh, the Russia invasion of Ukraine turned into World War III. And since Uh, This war in Israel kicked off. Um, You have also discussed that Turkey would likely play a big role in how the war expanded. Can you um, can you expand on that? Because Turkey is also a NATO member as well. Yeah. Yeah. So back in March 22, I got some kind of some weird looks back then because there were someone asked me, well, do you think this will turn into World War Three? And I said, Israel, Israel is kind of a key to that. And of course, people looking at me like that, that seems a little off. Um, they're not even in Europe. And I said, well, the short answer is Israel has a very delicate relationship with Russia and a very important relationship with the U.S. They're playing in uh, this middle ground and attempting to not anger Russia and appease the United States. It becomes this very delicate balancing act they have to make. And if they never came out in support of Russia, Russia would eventually look somewhere else for support. And Iran took took that opportunity and Russia gave them kind of a little bit of runway, in my opinion, to if they decided to help carry out an attack against Israel, Russia wasn't going to stand in their way. Um, Now, since this attack has happened, and and if I may, the question is being asked, was Russia and was Iran involved in the attack um, on October 7th? Is the wrong question. We should be asking, could Hamas have taken action like they did without support of Iran? And the answer is no. So therefore, whether they directly orchestrated the attack or not, they were involved. When it comes to Turkey now, Turkey, uh, in my opinion, is one of the ones that should they take action, it could expand the war greatly. Iran's kind of a given, but everyone's focused on Iran. So Iran has to be very careful. They're not going to be able to move very far, very fast without being noticed. Turkey, however, as you said, is a NATO member. They have a relationship with the United States. The United States, we have Air Force bases there. I was in the Air Force. There's two bases there. Um, but uh, Uruguay is also uh, a he's more he's a populist. He's he's a, he's about himself, but he's also leans towards the Islamist. I mean, remember ISIS uh, was able to secure a lot of travel and funding through through Turkey. Uh, Turkey has long supported, at least in, in the under the current administration, Hamas. Hamas operatives have worked out of Turkey. There was rumors that they have, may have hatched some of this plan from Turkey. So. The current administration in Turkey is is absolutely uh, in bed with Hamas in that way. So, Turkey in the the last the last couple comments that uh, 
that have come out of the administration have been pretty um, direct at Israel. Um, so should Turkey make a move of any kind, it's going to complicate things so much that it will expand the war. The U.S. will have to address Turkey. Turkey will um, have to make some key decisions. Moreover, um, they control the Turkish Straits, which if you look at a map, the Black Sea is shared on the south by Turkey and the north by Russia. Russia would love to be able to use those Turkish Straits to get into the Mediterranean. Should Turkey at that point decide Russia is more of um, more, more of a strategic partner than the United States? Um, those are all key decisions that if Turkey makes, um, it will involve other countries directly, and there will be no ability to just isolate the war. It will grow because of its relationships. Wow. And, and so how likely is this then that we are on the brink of World War III? Because I think that's what everyone in America is very concerned with. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I I don't I don't make any obviously any profit on on there being war. I don't benefit from that, and I hate that there's a possibility. But I think America needs to prepare for it. I I don't I really just looking at the landscape. There's always opportunities to pull back from the brink, but as I look around, I just don't see where that's going to happen. Uh, this is going to get worse. Uh, Israel. Netanyahu said this is our second war of independence. Israel is going to go after Iran at some point. Iran will go after Israel at some point. Who goes first? It's yet to see. And if Turkey gets involved, it's um, unfortunately, I I do think with all those dynamics, you throw in Russia and Europe, you throw in China and Asia, and I'm afraid we, we do have World War III in our hands. It's just a matter of time. And, and that is, I think, very wise advice that we in America need to prepare for this. We need to uh, certainly be praying about it. We need to be paying attention uh, to news and world events um, very closely. I know a lot of uh, Christians are particularly concerned in asking the question of uh, whether or not this goes into um, end times prophecies, and we need to also be asking those questions, not quick to have all of those answers, but um, I think that this really puts this in a bigger perspective, um, Dr. David Grantham. So I so appreciate your time uh, this morning, and so Dr. David Grantham, who is part of the Center for a Secure Free Society, you can reach them securefreesociety.org and we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. like to take a moment to thank our sponsor Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time she will choose life, but she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. 
about the situation in Israel and the growing unrest around the world, uh, which Glenn Beck uh, tweeted yesterday signals that the end times are approaching. So what should Christians do to prepare? Uh, Max Lucado joined Glenn Beck, and I want to play this clip for you. And then uh, Joel Rosenberg joins us, and I'll get his response on the uh, the end side of that. So this is cut one. If you didn't think World War II was the possibility of Christ returning, I don't know what was wrong with you, uh, except maybe you had read enough of the Bible to go, there's not enough, you know, to say it. it's this time. We've got Gog and Magog. Magog for the very first time, uh, <laughs> conspiring against evil, I mean, yeah. against Israel. Yeah. I mean, are, are, is, I mean, yeah. nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody but knows. But doesn't it, it, it looks. Brother Glenn, it, I mean, all the players are in place. Okay, so the big thing, the big difference between right now and even World War II is the existence of, of the Israel. state of Israel. Right. I mean, that's the prophecy. Nobody, I, I'm sympathetic with some student of prophecy from 200 years ago who says, well, this is never going to happen. How in the world could the Jews ever repopulate the nation of Israel? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the greatest miracle. Mm-hmm. And so that, that miracle, that sign, it seems to me, Glenn, announced that we're in the final, the final days. Because so many things, Israel has to be a nation for many of the prophecies to be fulfilled, namely the reconstruction of the temple. And so there has to be a national Israel in order for many of these things to happen. Well, now it it, it wasn't there 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, but it's there right now. And so I think the 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 discussion of what we're seeing on the world stage is a discussion that we need to have both politically but even more important spiritually because something is happening here that has never happened in any generation in history i don't know when christ is returning i don't mm-hmm. no one knows yeah but we are told to look for the signs in fact jesus was critical of those Religious leaders, he said, you see Red Scott morning, you know it's dawn, but here I've given you sign after sign and you have not watched. And so there's a there's an expectation that in addition to viewing what's happening geopolitically, we have to interpret it spiritually. I will tell you that I've said so many times here recently, you know, when the Bible was being put together, it's not like it's not like God said, you know, the Jesus part, we went all soft. Let's go out with a bang. You know, let's freak everybody out in the last <laughs> book of the Bible. He didn't do that. He gave that to us so we would not be freaked out. Mm. He gave it to us so we'd look and we'd know, and we'd know mm. that great change is coming. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. He did these things not to scare us, but, but to prepare us. He right. told us these things so that we would not panic. See to it that you are not troubled, Jesus said, the night before his crucifixion. And then in the Olivet Discourse or the Sermon about End Times, Jesus said in Luke 21, lift up your eyes, your redemption draws near when you see these things coming. So rather than panic, which nobody faults anybody for their anxiety these days, but knowing what's next prepares us to face what's now. 
And if we can know what's next, if we can begin to get a semblance of what's about to happen, then I believe that's a, that allows us to land at a spot that says, okay, God said something like this was going to happen. I'm going to look up. I'm going to make sure my relationship with him is solid, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to lean heavily into God's word for help. That was Pastor Max Lucado on Glenn Beck's show on Blaze TV. And that clip, um, if you'd like to listen to it again, is posted on Glenn Beck's uh, X, formerly known as Twitter feed. And uh, Joel Rosenberg, the editor-in-chief of All Israel News, uh, joins us now. He has been covering all of this uh, just really excellently. And I highly recommend following him on social media and on All Israel News uh, for not just an, an accurate portrayal of what's uh, happening, but also from a Christian and biblical worldview perspective. And so, um, Joel, I, you know, I think that so many Christians are focused on uh, where we're at with um, the end times. And, and I think that that does necessitate the question uh, for all of us is, do we have a right relationship with the Lord? Um, and especially with um, even even things like the death of, of Matthew Perry over the weekend, for example, um, and just seeing how many um, celebrities pass away and other things that are, that are going on, um, the questions of eternity always arise in every context. And how has just from a personal perspective, and then we'll get into what's what's going on in Israel, but how from a personal perspective um, has has this uh, really impacted um, you in terms of uh, continuing to further the gospel of Christ? Well, Jenna, thank you. It's great to be with you again, um, and I appreciate all the attention you're giving to this, to this conflict, but also uh, the, these larger critical spiritual questions. And you're right. I think, uh, in a strange sort of way, um, the massacres the, uh, that we're experiencing here in Israel and the fighting that's going back and forth between Israel and these Hamas terrorists. Uh, but also, you're, you're absolutely right. I to bring up Matthew Perry. Um, I, you know, Friends wasn't exactly the most Christian show on television, but I, you know, uh, for for a lost group of, of young people, uh, I actually enjoyed many of those episodes. And, it, and Matthew Perry's death is one of those moments that reminds us you don't have to be in a war. You don't have to be fighting radical Islamist terrorists. You can die at any moment. We really don't know. At 54 years old, I'm 56. I mean, I, I, Matthew Perry suddenly gone. I, I, I guarantee you his death has impacted more people uh, because it feels more uh, – it's, it's more felt than um, to uh, – to be on a, um, to be watching a war halfway across the world, right? But the but the issue is still the same. What happens when we die? Uh, no matter what the cause is, natural or unnatural, violence or just you know, it's just your time. How do you know for sure where you're going to be when you die? It's a question that I'm talking to a lot of people about right now, and the only answer is uh, found in the Bible. Um, there is no other faith, there's no other religion in the world that has an answer. The answer that Christianity is, is that um, it, you can't get yourself to God, you can't, you can't earn your way into heaven, you can't buy your way in. You have to accept the free gift of God through the death of Jesus. Right? Because the, the bottom line from the Bible, the Bible says we're guilty of sin, and if you're guilty of sin, you, you have to pay the, pun, the punishment. Well, the question is, do we pay the punishment ourselves when we die and go to hell forever and ever and ever with no way of escape? 
Or do we accept the fact that Jesus says, I will pay the penalty, I will die in your place, and then you can go to heaven and not to go to hell forever and ever and ever with no way of escape. That is an amazing offer, and it's a free gift, but it requires faith, um, and it requires admitting that we're guilty. And this is the issue of our time. And I think that, you know, I do believe we're in the last days. But again, Matthew Perry's death reminds us, you don't even have to believe that we're in some biblical prophetic last days moment. We're, we're getting closer to the return of Christ. Our last day could be today or tomorrow. So we have to make sure we get right. We have to get right with God uh, in order to be sure um, that uh, we're that, okay. There are sirens going off right now uh, here in Israel. I'll, I'll stay on the line with you, uh, but my sons are t- heading into the uh, the safe room. Well, if you need to go, your safety is much more important. So keep us um, updated. If you need to go, that's completely fine. Obviously, I can from from my position, I can stay. Okay, but, yeah, um, but that's what the situation we're facing right now. Yeah, I mean, and this, you know, Joel Rosenberg, I mean, this is something that I think, um, you know, people watch this kind of thing in World War II movies, um, but to to have um, this kind of thing going on right now um, and, and with friends even, you know, like you that are reporting um, live, it, it's something that I think none of us are, could even possibly contemplate. Um, do you know what the sirens, I mean, what, what's going on or what's the situation? So the sirens are here in Jerusalem, indicating that there are uh, rockets and missiles flying here towards the capital. Um, we have had that throughout the war, but not nearly as much as that's happening in Tel Aviv or certainly in our southern tier, or even now in, uh, on our northern border uh, with Lebanon. 64 Israeli communities have been evacuated along the Lebanon border because Iranian-backed Hezbollah the terrorist force that has 150,000 missiles pointed at us, they're beginning to fire those missiles at Israeli civilian and military positions along that northern border. So we are actually in a five-front war, I believe, right now. We're fighting in Gaza with Iranian-backed Hamas. That's number one. We're fighting with um, uh, Hezbollah, uh, the Iranian-backed terror force in Lebanon. That's two. We're fighting um, Iranian... Uh, and other terrorist forces that are shooting at us from Syria now. That's front number three. Iranian-backed Houthi terrorists in Yemen have now started firing missiles at us uh, from from Yemen. That's a 2,000-kilometer range. That means those are very high-powered missiles. Fortunately, the U.S. Navy in the Red Sea has shot down most of them, and the Saudi government actually shot one down for us, but one landed on an Egyptian town, unfortunately, and, uh, and that's four. And then we're fighting uh, radical Islamist terrorists in what's, what you might know as the West Bank, what we know here as biblical Judea and Samaria. That's five fronts that we're engaged with right now. And those sirens here are, uh, are, uh, are that missiles are being fired from Gaza. Well, I assume Gaza. I don't have uh, the exact information of where these missiles are coming from. Uh, but right now the sirens have stopped. So... Um, that suggests that uh, we're in the clear right now, but uh, I'm standing just outside of our our bomb shelter in our own home. This is Jill Rosenberg. Um, I mean, we are praying for your safety, and I think experiencing this just 
um, just for the listeners on radio right now and, and even, you know, me speaking with you as this is happening, it brings it um, t- to a point where it's so much more real what you're experiencing. And how are you handling this with your family in terms of just, you know, knowing that at any moment the sirens could go off and having a bomb shelter that closely. I mean, I don't think any of us other than, you know, war veterans who have experienced um, anything similar and, and actual combat can possibly contemplate what, what goes through your mind. Yes. uh, It can certainly get your heart rate going. Uh, One of the benefits, I guess, of, of having been through this many, many times over many, many years, is that we are um, experiencing uh, we are experiencing it so often that we I don't I would you can't say you get used to it, but you get experienced. I would also say that we have the benefit in our family of knowing Jesus Christ personally, which means we have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says uh, that uh, that we're not supposed to fear the wars and. And, uh, and rumors of wars and terrorism and other traumas that are going to come in this world. He, Jesus promises us, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, it may not be the final tribulation in our lifetime. We don't know yet, right, of the end times of the book of Revelation, of which um, Pastor Max Lucado and Glenn Beck, my friend, uh, were discussing. But, um, but, you, but there are tra- terrible troubles going on in, in life right now, and certainly here in Israel. But he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but in me you have peace. And Jesus promises us what, what he calls, what the Apostle Paul calls, the peace that passes all comprehension, or the peace that passes all understanding. Meaning, he, he, Christ is not promising us on a day-to-day basis to take out, us out of the, the trouble, troubles and traumas that everybody else is going through around us. He will, however, give us a supernatural peace— he promises this, a supernatural peace for those who know him and walk with him closely that isn't promised to anybody who doesn't know him personally and hasn't received Christ as their Savior. So that's, that's one of the great benefits. It's not just going to heaven when we die someday and, and having that assurance that we're absolutely going to spend eternity in paradise with Christ and the Father and, and our friends who know Jesus and our family who know Jesus, but we actually have the blessing of the peace of God right now, and this is what sustains Lynn and me and our family, not just to hunker down in a bomb shelter, but honestly, most of our days, are, I'm out reporting on, on the border or around the country for all Israel news and for my TV, TBN show, The Rosenberg Report, and my wife and sons and the rest of our family and team are out delivering humanitarian relief for our ministry, the Joshua Fund, to Israelis and Palestinians who are traumatized right now, living in bomb shelters, or living as this, like, basically internally displaced people, like refugees in our own country. They don't have their, all their clothes with them. They don't have diapers. They don't have food and water. And people have to bring that to them. And that's what the Joshua Fund does, uh, working with a network of two dozen local uh, Christ-following churches. And so we, we have peace, but we don't have peace just because we're hunkered down. We have peace to say, we're going to go out and help people, and if we die, which we don't want to do, but if we die, we're going to go to heaven. We know that. We know that. But if we don't die, there are people who don't know Christ personally, whom we have to at least love and serve right now. Hopefully they will want to know how to know Christ personally, but the first step is just be with them, take care of them, hide for them, 
Um, this is this is the job of loving our neighbors. This is what Christ commands. And so well said, Jill Rosenberg. And I hope that that is an encouragement uh, to everyone listening that you may not be facing um, a bomb threat today or sirens, um, but whatever you are facing in your life that are trials and tribulations and evil and discouragement and death and disease and all of the things um, that come from a fallen world, we can as Christians have hope and peace and joy in the Lord, regardless of our circumstances. We'll be praying for you, Joel Rosenberg. I look forward to your commentary um, so often as you can join us, and we really appreciate the updates from Israel. Uh, Go to All Israel News and follow at Joel C. Rosenberg on X for the latest updates, and we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Well, the new House Speaker, Representative Mike Johnson, a Republican from Louisiana, said Sunday, yesterday, that aid to Israel will be considered on the House floor in a standalone measure this week and expressed confidence that it would pass. This is what he had to say. This is cut to. As soon as I uh, took the gavel, our, our work began and we passed the resolution, as you noted, in, in, uh, in strong support of our strong ally and great friend Israel. We had to do that. And then I flew last night to Las Vegas and spoke to the Republican Jewish Coalition, as you noted, uh, to, to send a further signal that this is an, a priority for our country. We cannot allow the brutality and the just unspeakable evil that is, that is happening against Israel right now to continue. We're going to stand with our friends. And we're going to move a standalone Israel funding bill this week in the House. I know uh, our colleagues, our Republican uh, colleagues in the Senate uh, have a similar measure. We believe that that is a pressing and urgent need. There there are lots of things going on around the world uh, that we have to address, and we will. Uh, But right now, what's happening in Israel uh, takes the immediate attention, and I think we've got to separate that and get it through. I I believe there will be bipartisan support for that, and I'm going to push very hard for it. 
So joining me now is Congressman Bob Good from the great state of Virginia. And Congressman, uh, you joined me right after the speaker's seat was vacated and the ousting of Kevin McCarthy. And uh, and you said in the face of a lot of criticism that there would be an actual race, an election uh, and challenge for the speaker's seat. And that happened over the course of about three weeks. And I think we ended up with the absolute perfect person. Uh, Congressman Mike Johnson was actually my first pick out of, I mean, with um, no dis- respect to anyone else and the great Republicans who ran, but um, I think that everything that you advocated for and your fellow uh, colleagues in the Republican caucus advocated for um, has been justified. So uh, congratulations. And um, how how do you now see the, the speakership of uh, Mike Johnson continuing to advance um, the conservative agenda? Well, thanks for having me again, Jenna. Great to be with you, and I appreciate the encouraging feedback. Mike Johnson was the kind of individual that as far back as a year ago, when we were contemplating this potential challenge to the presumptive speaker uh, on the eve of the 2022 elections, and then thereafter between then and January and through the January battle, uh, Mike Johnson was one of those who we uh, sort of had in mind as the kind of person that perhaps we could land upon that could get the required amount of support that was respected, admired by uh, House Republican members across the spectrum, that was a honest individual with stature among the conference, credibility, and was a conservative that would be a partner in advancing uh, the conservative agenda that the American people gave us the majority for uh, back again last November. And it wouldn't be, while it wouldn't be accurate to say, oh, we were targeting Mike Johnson, that certainly would not be true. Uh, but he was among just a small handful of those who we thought could be the kind of person that could ascend to the speakership if if we were able to you know, succeed on the motion to vacate and uh, who'd be in the new uh, challenge or battle to find a, a new speaker. Uh, and, and I agree with you, among those who uh, were put forward and who, who were the leading candidates, I think Mike Johnson was the best candidate. I think he was the best person. And the conference is united in a way, certainly I've not seen in my three years in Washington, and those who've been there longer, many members have come up to me and told me they've never seen the conference more optimistic, more hopeful, more united, more together, more excited, quite frankly, about the direction under a new leader who is you know, obviously not the perfect speaker or, or a perfect speaker because one does not exist. But he does possess the basic qualities that you would look for in a leader, trustworthiness, humility, uh, strong character, uh, honesty, integrity, and again, his principles, his guiding principles, his values, uh, the foundation upon which uh, uh, all of his legislative priorities will, will, will rest are consistent with Republican principles, conservative Republican principles, and the agenda that we're trying to advance with the trust American people placed in us last November. And speaking with uh, Congressman Bob Good from Virginia, and that's encouraging to hear about the conference being so united, especially after all of the rhetoric from mainstream media and, of course, uh, your colleagues on the other side of the aisle, uh, the Democrats saying that, oh, this is fractured and um, the, the, the GOP can't get it together and it's chaotic and, and all of that. Um, so that narrative is gone. But the new narrative um, that I've seen is, is kind of twofold. Uh, one, you have, um, frankly, idiots, in my opinion, uh, like George Conway. 
who are suggesting that a Speaker Mike Johnson is a gift to the Democrats. And that just tells me that he has no idea who Mike Johnson is. And then on the other hand, um, you have some of the Republicans who also don't know uh, Mike Johnson and some of the the base who uh, and some of the Democrats, quite frankly, who are suggesting that because he is such a stalwart and outspoken Christian, that somehow uh, he can't bring religion into politics, which, um, quite frankly, is also just just completely antithetical to the foundation of American society and, and has nothing to do with uh, what we should be doing as Christians and conservatives in civil government. So how do you respond um, to those types of uh, narratives that are being pushed out there? To re- think about the last three weeks, and I would just say being just sort of practical uh, as you know, we had all the hand ringers and all of the uh, national media pundits sensationalizing, oh, this is chaos, this is a clown show, this is embarrassing, this is going to cost us the 2024 election. And I'll remind everyone that we came into the motion of AK around the 1st of October, having passed four of our spending bills, and the Senate had passed zero. We took three weeks to have a national election for the Speaker for the first time in modern times, in decades anyway. The American people could weigh in, let their voices be heard, watch their representatives truly select, vet, challenge, test candidates, and select their speaker. We didn't go next man up with the majority leader. We didn't go next person in line with the majority whip, but we actually uh, worked through those candidates and settled on someone like Mike Johnson. So it was a true contest. But now we emerge three weeks later, and the Senate has passed what during those three weeks? Zero spending bills still. So, you know, what, what harm was done to the country by us being uh, diligent and, 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 you know, purposeful in selecting a speaker. And now we've passed another spending bill coming out of that. So now we've passed five spending bills. The Senate, again, at zero. We hope to pass three more this week. I said many times during the three weeks, the American people didn't care in January that it took us a few days to get the speaker a decision, you know, as best we could. And they didn't, they, they won't care soon that it took us three weeks. And already you've turned the page. And the American people don't care that the last three weeks you were battling through the speaker. They care what we do what we do for them. And does Washington win for them instead of winning for the special interest groups? So, and, and Mike Johnson, is, as strong as he is and as solid as he is, and much as I respect him, he will need to be held accountable as a speaker. He'll have all the wrong pressures, all the wrong influences, all the wrong individuals trying to speak into his ear and trying to influence him in the wrong way. And so, and, and you know, he will be imperfect, uh, as we all would be. And so we've got to be diligent. The battle just continues. We turn the page and we fight together with him, alongside him, and helping him. But you're right, what you said just a moment ago, all the pundits and the critics, oh, he's only been in Washington seven years, so he's not a fully immersed swamp creature, so he's unqualified, (laughs) some have said. We disrupted Congress. We disrupted Washington. We upset the status quo. We took a blow against the swamp cartel, the uniparty cartel that controls everything, the elites, the donor class, the K Street lobbyists, the special interests. They didn't get to pick the speaker. The American people, through the elected representatives, picked the speaker. And thank God, to your last point, we have a speaker who is grounded on the foundation of God's Word. He believes in biblical truth. Uh, he knows what his true north is. He's unashamedly says, hey, you want to know what my view is on issue? Check God's Word first. Check the Bible. That's my foundation. And that was the foundation of the founding fathers, those who established this country, who established the practice of Congress opening every session in prayer, who declared a national day of prayer, who sought divine intervention, divine providence when establishing this country. And they believed it was a miracle 
uh, that they were able to do this. And, and you know, they said, hey, these rights that we're trying to protect in this Constitution are unalienable, right, unalienable rights given to us by God. It's so well said, uh, Congressman Bob Good, and I so appreciate that you share that same perspective with uh, now Speaker Mike Johnson and that there are a few still in Washington that will be bold advocates for the truth and the civil government that is founded on a biblical worldview. And it's just silly that some of the uh, some of the pushback is is suggesting that the First Amendment requires a separation of church and state that's nowhere in the First Amendment or the U.S. Constitution that doesn't allow us to bring our faith to Washington and especially uh, in elected office. Uh, the First Amendment was designed that Congress and the government would stay out of the church, not that faith would stay out of politics. And so how much um, more does that mean now in in light of a speaker and 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 someone like you as well that are so um such bold christians and, and how do you address that opposition you're exactly right uh, jenna that the first amendment was intended to protect the church from the government it was never intended to protect the government from spiritual biblical or religious influence and we know that's true from any honest reading of our founding documents and uh, the writings of the founders themselves. And it is critical that we, uh, that we uh, recognize absolute truth, that we recognize moral foundation, that we recognize the critical importance of our, uh, of our essential institutions of, of the church and of the family, not to give any preference to any particular faith or religion, uh, but but recognizing that uh, you know faith is the foundation upon which we were stand we were founded as a nation. Faith is the foundation upon which our worldview is based and our moral compass is based. You know I've often said if you can't trust someone on the moral issues, you really can't trust them on anything. And that almost everything that plagues our society is a failure to follow God's principles for morality, marriage, and the family. And the importance of faith, the importance of the church, the importance of the family cannot be overstated. And Mike Johnson brings that worldview to the speakership uh, in, in, a, in a way that recognizes the freedoms we have in this country to believe as we want to believe or not to believe, to worship as we want to worship or not to worship. Uh, however, uh, he doesn't—he doesn't—you uh, know—he doesn't apologize for his faith and his worldview in his biblical foundation, which is consistent with, again, how this nation was founded. Yes, so well said, and I I could not agree more. And so as we look forward to uh, now the U.S. House of Representatives getting back to work and, of course, the appropriations uh, package that will need to be addressed, and uh, there's the the continuing resolution is is about to expire, and, and understanding there is that worldview foundation, and then the practical application. Um, what right. should conservatives understand in terms of some of the necessary compromises? I mean, we tend to think of compromise as a bad word, but um, but Mike Johnson actually continually, as a, as a friend of mine over the last few years, uh, personally, continues to remind me that Congress is a team sport. And there are some things, you never mm-hmm. compromise your principles, but you do have to work with the entire Congress and the entire conference. So um, how do you see uh, the Congress moving forward, and, and how should conservatives understand that that principle of leadership? Well, we got a little snapshot on a Mike Johnson's speakership this past week when he met with President Biden 
and he served notice to him that we're going to send that we are not going to bring to the floor a combined hundred billion plus package for Israel, Ukraine, other ill-defined humanitarian assistance, other more billions of dollars more for Secretary Mayorkas to flood more illegals into the country. But we would separate out the Israeli package of what ten to fourteen billion dollars as a standalone for an up or down vote, as it should be considered as a standalone for up or down vote, which I think will pass. But he also brought in terribly important component to it that we would require pay-fors or offsets, that we wouldn't be borrowing the money to send to Israel, that borrowing money that we don't have to plunge us further into debt, but even something so important as aid for Israel should be paid for when you're running a $200 billion deficit each month. And so I support that. That's a good picture. And as we look at the remaining spending bills, We've got to uh, cut our spending, number one, take some steps towards fiscal responsibility. We've got a long ways to go there. We're not going to fix it this year, but take some steps towards that. Secondly, implement the conservative policies the American people asked us to implement for which we ran upon a year ago and reverse harmful, damaging policies under which Americans are suffering. They're in place now under the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer policies that were put in place at the end of last year. So we've got to take steps in the right direction. We've got to hold ourselves accountable to do that, even Speaker Johnson accountable to do that, to make the tough choices. And then he's also spoken to uh, creating a bipartisan debt commission, which will be required to deal with our mandatory spending, the explosion of, of the, uh, the mandatory spending that's bankrupting the country, quite frankly. If we were to cut all discretionary spending, the things that we vote on annually, you know, not counting the part that we kind of give ourselves a pass on and call it mandatory, we don't have to authorize and appropriate it every year, the mandatory, just the discretionary spending, all of that is borrowed. All of that is borrowed, and if we were to eliminate all of that, we would still run a deficit. The last thing I'll just add on that on, on the spending on deficit on the, on the national debt standpoint is we've got to extend the Trump tax cuts, which expire at the end of this year, so that we can spur economic growth and return to pro growth policy so we get the revenue side coming up as we also try to ratchet down the spending side of it to try to save the nation from a fiscal standpoint. And all of this sounds absolutely like the right direction and an up or down vote on a single issue. What a concept. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And Congressman Bob Good, really appreciate your time. We will be praying for you and Speaker Mike Johnson and everyone in Congress to continue to stand firm on uh, what is in the best interest genuinely of America. So thank you, as always, so much for joining me. We are out of time for Jenna Ellis in the morning. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna at AFR.net. And I will see you tomorrow morning. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.